0: GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer.
3: Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Saskatchewan's Water Security Agency is offering free farm workshops this winter on water management. We'll hear from agency spokesman Patrick Boyle about the free half-day workshops that are being offered online and in person all the way until April. The soil is a complicated array of many, many different organisms that are vital for food production. We'll be joined today by Anne Bickley, a biologist and science writer from the state of Washington. Bickley and her husband David Montgomery were guest speakers at the Sask Soil Conference in Regina last week, and she will talk about that as well. As you heard on Friday, Grain Week's 23 to 26 amounted to a month of ups and downs when it came to rail car movement. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting and he'll talk about the issue of empty car spotting that both railways have been doing over the past few months. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture, Saskatchewan's Water Security Agency is offering free farm workshops this winter on water management. Agency spokesman Patrick Boyle says the free half-day workshops are being offered online and in person until April. As well, he says the agency will be in the field in coming weeks to study snow water sampling to obtain a better picture of spring runoff potential in Saskatchewan.
0: The idea here is we're looking at uh, we're coming out to a number of different sites across the province and and doing some of these snow surveys. And what the snow survey is, is, is trying to measure the snow water equivalent in the snowpack or how much water is actually in the snowpack. And that helps us to form that complete picture of what spring runoff potential might be for Saskatchewan in 2023. So we'll take a graduated tube, put it into the ground, weigh some samples, and then calculate what the average snow water equivalency is for that area. So what that means is it helps us to understand when that snowpack melts, how much water is in it, and how it could come off in the landscape.
3: He expects near-normal runoff for southern Saskatchewan this spring.
0: Yeah, for the most part, we're looking at below normal to near normal conditions for most of southern Saskatchewan and in the Green belt area there, which depending on what area you're in, some areas that's improvement, some areas that's looking for more moisture conditions there or more moisture as we go ahead here in the spring.
3: Boyle then talks about the free farm workshop that's now available.
0: The Ag h free workshop, it, it's to uh, introduce farmers and ranchers to the agricultural water management strategy. So th- those workshops really explore the process and benefits of, of looking at getting a drainage approval and those techniques to how best manage water on a producer's land.
3: He explains how the workshops work.
0: Yeah, these are free half-day workshops that are online and in person until April 2023. So the, uh, the in-person ones in person one started March, but they're one of those things we're offering that free workshop to understand how we can support farmers and ranchers across Saskatchewan to manage water on their land.
3: Boyle says they can provide assistance on designing drainage projects.
0: Yeah, so I, you know, talk to any farmer and rancher across this province, and they'll tell you, you know, one of the things that that every producer deals with is is managing water, whether it's Southwest, who has uh, oftentimes some some shortages, or it's the east side of the province who has more of a supply usually or has to deal with too much water. So there's always some water management involved with an operation in in today's agricultural landscape. So these workshops really try to explain what the agricultural water management strategy is in Saskatchewan and what are the process and benefits of of obtaining those drainage approvals and and the techniques that we can support farmers and ranchers with.
3: He outlines some of the practices covered in the workshop. Um, That audio clip apparently is not available at the moment, but that is Patrick Boyle with the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River.
4: GX94 Ag Review.
3: Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, or AAFC, has released its February supply and demand estimates with numerous small changes. AAFC held its projections for 2022-23 grains and oilseeds production at 89.489 million metric tons. As for exports, the department reduced them from 45.715 million metric tons last month to now 45.49 million. Furthermore, domestic usage was trimmed from 44.528 million metric tons to 44.506 million. However, ending stocks were bumped up from 10.565 million metric tons to 10.815 million. Among the most notable changes came in 2022-23 flax exports which were chopped from January's call of 375,000 metric tons to 150,000 this month. There were small tweaks as well, with domestic usage for canola lowered from 9.748 million metric tons last month to now 9.738 million. As for the coming 2023-24 crop year, AAFC lowered grain and oilseed production from 88.045 million metric tons in January to 87.965 million, with only flaxseed revised downward on the month. CN and CP rail supplied a combined 76% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 28, an improvement from the previous week's 71%. The improvement in performance reflects improved performance for each of CN and CP. In supplying 82% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 28, CN's order fulfillment performance improved from the 77% order fulfillment performance seen in week 27. This marks the first time in four weeks that CN order fulfillment performance has reached the 80% threshold. It is, however, also the 13th straight week that CN has fallen short of the 90% threshold. CP order fulfillment performance also improved once again, if only modestly, with the railway supplying 71% of cars ordered, an improvement from the 66% order fulfillment performance seen in week 27. This marks the 23rd consecutive week That CP has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold. Meanwhile, CN Rail says it's not expecting any impact on its operations if its unionized mechanics and clerical staff are involved in a work stoppage, depending on the outcome of strike votes starting this week. Unifor represents about 3,000 CN workers in mechanical, intermodal, and clerical positions across the country through five collective agreements, all of which expired at the end of December. The union said it's been in five bargaining sessions with the company since last October. CN says it tabled a comprehensive offer with Unifor last Tuesday after the union filed a notice of dispute with the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service on December 16th. But Unifor says it has broken off talks with CN and plans to start conducting strike votes among eligible members early this week. Experts say an uptick in drought and other extreme weather events have beef farmers in Canada and the US thinning their herds in near record numbers, which could lead to supply problems in the beef industry over the longer term. They say farmers will increasingly struggle with profitability amid the unpredictable seasons as climate change makes drought, flooding and wildfires more common. Desmond Soboul, principal economist with Farm Credit Canada, says for the past few years, dry conditions in both countries have prompted farmers to reduce their herd sizes by sending more cattle to slaughter. And Canadian singer Jan Arden is petitioning for Ottawa to ban live horse exports for slaughter in hopes it will catch the eyes of federal politicians. She says these horses are sent to Japan on 12-hour flights without food and water before they're fattened up, slaughtered, then eaten as a delicacy. Arden's petition has been supported by thousands of Canadians and the federal NDP. The government now has six weeks to respond to Arden's petition. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Faulkner. It's sunny and minus 24 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The soil is a complicated array of many, many different organisms that are vital for food production. And Bickley is a biologist and science writer from the state of Washington. Bickley and her husband David Montgomery were guest speakers at the Sask Soil Conference in Regina last week.
1: If we can get soils back to what I always say is just a normal state, we don't need any super soils or anything like that, But we do need our soils to just be functioning normally because when they function normally, then the benefits of that ripple up into crops, into farm animals, and ultimately into people.
3: Bickley says the lion's share of soil microbials can be found around the plant root.
1: Plants are actually feeding these microbial communities with compounds that they produce in their own plant body They then send them down to the roots, they push them out of the roots, and the microbes consume them. In exchange for all of those goodies that the plant provides to the microbes, the microbes help a plant defend itself. And this is where things get interesting, complicated, and fun, because this has gone on for millions of years in the botanical world. Plants... And microbes in the soil communicating and cooperating. And so this is a big part of the plant immune system, a big part of how plants defend
3: themselves. She says a good crop rotation helps the soil. Plants
1: produce, think of it as
3: cocktails. And the more different
1: kind of plants you have on a farm or in a field, the more different kind of cocktails they're pushing out into their roots to feed all of these microbes. And that makes for a more diverse microbial community, which then cycles back to the plant in terms of a more robust and comprehensive way of helping plants defend themselves and spur their immune system and things like that.
3: And as for traditional fertilizer?
1: Certainly make plants grow. That's what nitrogen is all about. But the downside of fertilizers is they don't feed the microbial community. The problem with fertilizers is, just put it this way, they're really not the preferred diet for these microbes. They don't nourish and they don't feed them. And so that has all kinds of negative ripple effects on soil health, on this communication and relationship between crops and their microbiome.
3: And Bickley is a biologist and science writer who was a feature speaker at the Sask Soil Conference in Regina last week. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdun. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 165.35, that's up 70. June live cattle trading at 161.05, up 92. March feeder cattle trading at 187.22, up 70. April feeder cattle trading at 191.15, also up 70. April, lean hogs trading at 88.92, that's up 365. May, lean hogs trading at 97.10, up 270. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, as you heard on Friday's show, grain weeks 23 to 26 amounted to a month of ups and downs when it came to rail car movement. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting and he monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of grain companies and producer organizations. He concluded his discussions by talking about the issue of empty car spotting.
2: Yeah, empty car spotting's been problematic for both CN and CP for a while now. CN, just to give you a a flavor, uh, for six straight weeks now, has not spotted even 4000 cars a week. Now when we talk about these numbers, we have to remember that we're talking about railway supplied cars and for CN in particular, they see more private car movements uh than the CP. There's really none on CP when you you know other than if you get into oilseed products. So, you know, in true numbers, CN is probably spotting more than 4000 cars a week, but in their grain plan, they were committing to spot more than 4,000 cars of railway-supplied hopper cars every week through the winter. So they're falling far short of that and have for six weeks in a row, which is what's driving their outstanding order count, right? So you don't spot enough cars to meet demand, you get outstanding orders. And then what's happening is that when you get behind like this, every week that follows, You're trying to fill all the orders that you didn't fill in the week that you were supposed to. So now the capacity that you have available for the current week, a portion of that capacity is being dedicated to supplying orders that should have been filled in the prior week at the expense of filling orders that are in front of you for the current week. So we track this and and we look at what percentage of car spotting activity on a weekly basis is being dedicated to current week orders versus prior week orders. So apart from the fact that the numbers overall are just below where they need to be with respect to car spotting levels, now what we see is the railways, both CN and CP, dedicating more and more of their capacity to backfilling orders, that have not been supplied, which means that current week orders are not getting supplied because so much of the capacity is, you know, looking at outstanding orders, which then in turn leads, of course, to, you know, poor order fulfillment because order fulfillment is measured based on the current week. So in week 26, just to give you an example, 23% of the cars that CN spotted were for outstanding orders. So, they only dedicated 77% of their available capacity to spot cars for orders in the current week, in week 26. CP was even worse. CP dedicated 29% of their car spotting capacity to prior week orders. So, only 71% of their capacity went towards current week orders. That kind of explains 55%, by the way, for order fulfillment in week 26. So, you know, given where outstanding order counts are, I expect to kind of see this. I mean, it'll probably get a little bit better. One would hope anyway in the in the coming two or three weeks that that, you know, percentage split will change favorably towards current week orders, which would suggest then that, you know, order fulfillment performance will improve. But that's a problem. And, you know, it's one of those things that becomes what I call a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if you continue to fail every week, then your outstanding order count never goes away and you keep spotting cars every week with a significant portion of those cars dedicated to your failures in the prior week and not looking after your you know new business in the current week. There's only two things that can change that. I mean, in reality, one is that you need demand to go down to a level that the actual capacity that the railways have to offer can address both the unfulfilled demand from prior weeks and the current demand in the current week and that can happen one of two ways either it will go down naturally i.e market demand will will come down and i mean if we wait long enough it will because we know that in the next six to eight weeks we're going to be by the peak shipping season and then we're going to be into the spring and the summer, and and we, we know that that demand goes way down. The alternative is for the railways to force demand to go down. And, you know, as I said earlier, CN is a is a bigger proponent of this strategy, which is rationing of orders. So if both railways wanted to get, you know, even, they could do it quickly by just canceling a lot of orders and just saying we're going to clear off the backlog and then we'll be current and they'll take the hit in performance and, you know, they'll move on. The other way, frankly, is that they just need to spot more cars. But the problem is that what we've been seeing week after week after week after week, pretty much since the beginning of December, is they just aren't. It's confusing, I guess, to say the least. When you think about the commitments that they made, when you think about the fact that they have the fleets that they do, to see this low level of car spotting is just inconsistent with those other things. And it doesn't seem to be able to move on a week-to-week basis. CN has consistently, as I said earlier, been lower than 4,000 cars a week for six weeks now. CP has been a little bit better. You know, this past week, week 26, wasn't very good for them. They they dropped off to, you know, 3,100 cars or something. But they had spotted about 4,000 cars in the three weeks prior to that, still lower than what they should be doing, but, you know, not bad. Their problem was that they were already so far behind, it didn't matter. So unless something changes in the in the equation here, that's why, for me, I think that, you know, this this backlog is going to take some time to work off. And it's not unrealistic to think that it's going to take, you know, four weeks or more for them to get even. And, and that's assuming, it, you know, the demand doesn't get any higher and that they don't run into any hiccups. And we know CP just had a hiccup this week. Uh, They had a disruption in one of their major terminals on their main line in Southern BC that basically cut their capacity going west and east from Vancouver in half for three days. And we have a huge backlog of cars now trying to get to Vancouver. So that's not gonna help their situation because now they've got a lot of cars under load that have been dwelling for a long time. The cycles are gonna be out of whack. So we may not see that actually until week 28 or in the beginning of week 29, but it's going to make this problem worse for them. That's the one thing I do know.
3: Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting and he monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition. His comments come from the Grain by Train podcast produced by Pulse Canada, a member of the Ag Transport Coalition. Please stay tuned, your commodities update is coming up next. Commodities update. Canola futures are trading up rather sharply right across the board this hour. March Canola trading at eight thirty nine ten, that's up ten dollars seventy cents. May Canola trading at eight thirty two ten up eleven dollars eighty cents. March Minneapolis wheat trading at nine twenty seven per bushel that's down three and a quarter cents March Kansas City wheat trading at nine o eight and a quarter up one and three quarters of a cent March Chicago wheat trading at seven fifty six and a half down nine cents March corn trading at six eighty one per bushel up three and a quarter cents. March soybeans trading at fifteen forty seven and a half up twenty and a quarter cents, March oats trading at three sixty four per bushel that's up a quarter of a cent and that's the commodities update. Grocery stores and supermarkets will need to adjust for younger generations. Heather Thomas is the executive director of the Alberta School of Business Centre for Cities and Communities. She told the Ag Awareness Summit in Saskatoon last week that Generation Z is not a big fan of checkouts.
4: Humans in general still prefer shopping in person, without a doubt, especially the younger people want to shop in person. But grocery is an interesting one because a lot of people actually don't enjoy the experience of grocery shopping. So they want a better experience. Checkout is a good example. They hate it. So if we can get figure out a way and there's lots of different ways to do it, remove the checkout experience and people will shop in person.
3: A handful of Amazon owned Whole Foods stores in the United States have the technology where you put the groceries in your cart, and when you're done, there's no checkout.
4: So you just go into the store, it knows that you're there, and when you take something off of a shelf, it charges your phone, you put it back, it takes it off, and then you just leave. There's no checkout experience, and so they can utilize square footage in a more productive way, so you don't have to have the checkout counters. You just leave.
3: Thomas believes the system will be coming to Canada soon.
4: Yeah, definitely. So what we're going to see is either a smart cart solution where people can use a cart, use your phone and shop. So again, you just don't have the checkout experience. That technology exists. There's no reason why it shouldn't be coming to Canada. My prediction, like a Heather Hod take, I would think in the next 10 to 15 years, we won't have checkouts anymore.
3: Thomas says younger generations are more environmentally conscious and prefer product packaging with less waste.
4: So whether it is going to be legislation or consumer-driven, companies have to figure out the right packaging. So it has to be effective in terms of what it's communicating. It has to look really nice and it has to be either biodegradable or recyclable or something like that because consumers are becoming more aware and now they have the abilities to demand that from their food producers.
3: She goes on to say...
4: Think about the cardboard that the box, like that, that your supplies are coming in, and your food delivery, especially the food ones. Those are insulated cardboard boxes. So They're even more packaging that we actually have to figure out what to do with. And right now, the municipalities are bearing most of that cost, and it's not the other way around. So I predict that in the next coming years, that that cost will be put onto the consumer. If you want those packages brought directly to you, you're going to, have to pay for that.
3: Heather Thomas is the Executive Director of the Alberta School of Business Centre for Cities and Communities. She spoke at the Ag Awareness Summit last week in Saskatoon. Please stay tuned, GX on Agriculture will return in 60 seconds time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture, I'm Doug Falconer. Canada's Agriculture Day was celebrated last Wednesday. Farm Credit Canada hosted a conference in Ottawa called the Future of Food Conference. FCC Senior Industry Relations Manager Darlene McBain says the conference was an interesting event. Canada's
5: Agriculture Day is really a day to celebrate the industry and celebrate the food and the people that grow the food in our country. And, and, you know, we have so much to be proud of in Canada We have a really strong, you know, reputation of putting food on dinner tables from coast to coast across our country to feed Canadians, but also help feed the world. And, you know, we really do this with a a good reputation of being, you know, a very ethical and reliable and sustainable supplier of food. And so the day is all about celebrating, celebrating this industry and the people that bring food to our table.
3: She outlines some of the key takeaways from the Future of Food conference.
5: Well, first of all, maybe I'd like to tell you that the uh, theme for that conference was around innovation. And it was innovation in agriculture and food in our country. And, you know, it's something that we've been hearing a lot. All of us have been hearing a lot about lately is innovation. And and as the world around us is is changing, it's forcing industries like ours to adapt and to change. And, And we are at a turning point And there's many complexities that the world is facing and and our industry, agriculture and food production is facing and, and, to be able to seize the opportunities to continue to feed Canadians and people from around the world. We have a great opportunity in our Canadian and agriculture landscape here in Canada, where we can really do much more to be able to take a a leadership position to be able to feed the world. and, And it's through innovation that we believe is a big part of that. And so the conference we had speakers from all across the value chain telling their stories of how their organizations or how they have innovated and sharing those stories about innovation. And it was really an inspiring day because it really brought together key leaders from across the value chain into one room to be able to discuss had the opportunity to share how we see as, a, as an industry the future of food and what this industry can do to be able to innovate and really see future opportunities to become that leader in feeding the world.
3: McBain says the conference had a number of interesting guests.
5: Absolutely. We had wonderful guest speakers attending this conference, varied from, you know, representation from all across the value chain and very diverse speakers that brought different perspectives from where they're sitting within the food value chain and their experience with producing food in Canada and what their organizations do to uh, help advance innovation within their organizations.
3: Darlene McBain is the Senior Industry Relations Manager for Regina-based Farm Credit Canada.
0: Farm Bulletin Board
3: As I was telling you earlier in the program, Saskatchewan's Water Security Agency is offering free farm workshops this winter on water management. Agency spokesman Patrick Boyle says the free half-day workshops are being offered online and in person until April. He explains how those workshops work, of course, earlier and then we asked uh, how he can provide assistance on designing drainage projects.
0: Yeah, so I, you know, talk to any farmer and rancher across this province and they'll tell you, you know, one of the things that that every producer deals with is, is managing water. Whether it's Southwest, who has uh, oftentimes some, shortages or it's the east side of the province who has more of a supply usually or has to deal with too much water. So there's always some water management involved with an operation in, in today's agricultural landscape. So these workshops really try to explain what the agricultural water management strategy is in Saskatchewan and what are the process and benefits of, of obtaining those drainage approvals and, and the techniques that we can support farmers and ranchers with.
3: He outlines some of the practices covered in the workshop.
0: Yeah, some of the, those water management practices that they're looking at is surface ditches, tile drainage, wetland consolidation, and, and completing a network project with neighbouring landowners. And in and, and doing that, you would use what we call as a qualified person to help those landowners through that regulatory process.
3: And he says it's easy to register for the workshops.
0: Farmers and ranchers can learn more and register at eggh2oonward.ca, and to head to that website, and that's the the best place to start to register and get moving.
3: Patrick Boyle is with the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency, and don't forget the Farm Credit Canada Young Farmers Summit will be held in Yorkton next uh, Wednesday, March first, from ten until three at the Painted Hand Casino in New Yorkton. You can register online at www.fcc.ca slash summit. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now one o'clock, time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Moosum and Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today, Mainly sunny, winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, and a high of minus 21 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 30. For tomorrow, partly to mainly sunny, winds north-northeast at 10 to 20, a high of minus 25, a low of minus 27. For Thursday, partly sunny, winds north northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 21. For Friday, cloudy, a high of minus 20, and Saturday, partly sunny, a high of minus 17. In the Paw and Roblin, it's minus 25 degrees, Swan River minus 24, Dauphin minus 20, Brandon, Show Lake Russell minus 21. Regina is at minus 20, Saskatoon, Indian Head, minus 24, Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, minus 23, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 26. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a west-northwest wind at 11 kilometers an hour, 76 percent is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 24 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 32 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.